Good morning, everybody. Thanks for spending your Sunday with us. You know, I knew I was going to speak, and yet I'm still always, like, so disorganized. Um, but I did better to this day. I, I, like, typed out my notes. I usually, like, write them on something, and um, but I actually typed them out. This is a big move for me, I'm going to tell you. I almost actually almost uh, brought the computer like Jay and David do, but um, the font was a little too small for me, and I just didn't really want it in my way. So anyways, well, let's get started. I know we just entered out of, or we just got out of worship, but if we could just take a moment to pray so I can get focused and on here, and uh, we could just prepare our hearts to receive the word now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are worthy as we were just singing of all of our praise. God, we pray that as um, I speak today, that you would speak through me, that we would each just learn, gather, um, Lord, that seeds would be depositive of what you have for us individually as you speak to us corporately. We thank you for your presence and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so if you were with us, if you've been with us for any part of time, uh, we have been in a series called Hearing God's Voice. And uh, last week we had David speak. I'm just turning to where we are. I won't be on my phone the whole time. Uh, I just have some translations in here that are um, in different versions that I wanted to read out of. But uh, last week, David spoke, uh, Pastor Jay, or Jay um, spoke um, on hearing God's voice. David spoke last week. And um, I'm just going to circle back around um, on just kind of putting like the little dot, the period, the exclamation mark, whatever you want to call it. Um, because I think when we oftentimes, even for myself, if I read scripture or I'm in a message, I want to know how does this apply to me or what does this look like? how do I do this, right? Like you can read these things and sometimes it's like, what does that look like in real life for me? And so what we're gonna just talk through is what do we do? And, and maybe this is familiar for you. Um, so if this is familiar for you, just counted this as a review, but I believe the Lord wants to speak to you anyways, um, because even as I was prepping and, and walking through these things, he was speaking to me. So uh, what do we do when we hear God speak? Um, so many times as even last week, uh, David was talking about, that's kind of one of the number one questions is how do I know God's speaking to me? Well, it's great if you hear God speak to you, um, but then what do you do? And I think that that's where a lot of our Christian life, our Christian walk, sometimes we miss the link, is what we do when he speaks. Uh, last week, as David was speaking on um, peace in all circumstances, he's a lot of fun to listen to. If you guys don't know David as a person, I would highly recommend getting to know David. He is just a character. I don't know where he went. Oh, there he is. He's, he's glaring over me from my left side from the back. But if you don't know David, you have to know David. Um, he is one of my favorite people uh, to just be around. We've known David since technically since he was in third grade, uh, but probably in relationship since he was 15, 16, 17. So we've known David for a long time. We've watched David grow up, um, but he is just a, a hoot to talk to. And um, as you saw him up here, he's the real deal. Um, so he had brought up Proverbs chapter, 20, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 22. We're going to read again, but this time we're going to read it out of Passion Translation. This is actually one of my favorite portions of scripture because it is so rich with instruction. So if, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but I believe we'll have the Passion Translation up here. Uh, the Passion Translation, while I don't necessarily going to get, it's just a different translation. I like the way it's, it says things. And for some of us who have been reading our Bibles for a really long time, we have our favorite versions, New King James, ESV, NLT, um, and sometimes you could read things and you miss what's in there. And so I like to scroll through and compare. And so the Passion Translation, um, 
verses 20 through 27 is where we're going to go. I'll, I'll read it to us. It says, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you enwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from that there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Some, I, I, some of us got to stop there. Be free from, you know, just kidding. Okay. So set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. That means there's going to be some distractions in life, but we got to ignore them. Watch where you're going, stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Do not allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take a detour that leads to darkness. You know what I love about Proverbs chapter four um, in this scripture, it talks about it matters where our eyes are looking. It matters and, and not just looking where you're going, what you're watching, what you're, what you're, in, you know, in observing, you pay attention to it because it brings life. It's healing to our bodies. But when we talk about what do we do when we hear God speak, it says it actually pretty clear in here. And that's what I love about scriptures. You could take one scripture, a portion of scripture, and you can dig and you could have multiple messages from just that portion. Well, so I'm, I'm taking a few places from here. So what do we do when we hear God speak? Number one, according to this, we fill our thoughts with his words. We fill our thoughts with his words. Listen carefully that to everything that I teach you and pay attention to what I say, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep in your spirit. See, every day we fill our minds with lots of things, information, numbers, processes. We fill our minds with words, right? Just think about what you fill your mind with. I, I don't know. I have so much, I, I have so much random information. I can forget my kid's name, but remember someone's face that I met that I saw once at Target three months ago. Like, I don't, I don't know what sometimes is happening in this space. Anyone there with me? Okay. Well, that's what fills my mind. If you want to know what fills my mind, it's a lot of random stuff. Um, at the very least. But we all fill our minds with things. All of us fill our minds with things. We either fill our mind with death or life. Really, there's only two categories with what comes in. Uh, we, um, the words we believe and we tell ourselves, it's either truth or lies. There's no in between. There's no, there's no gray. We are either filling our minds with things of God or we're filling our minds with lies that are from the enemy. Now, I mean, that's other than the processes and the words and the numbers and, the, and, you know, all the things you have to lead. So barring all of those things that take our mind, take our thoughts. But if you even think about that, how much of what you do preoccupies your mind and your thoughts in your day? A lot. I, I would assume if you're working a job that's maybe 40 hours Think about all of what you're giving your attention to and it's necessary and needed for your job. But here we're seeing when we hear God speak, the first thing we need to do is actually fill our thoughts with his words. Fill our thoughts with his words. 
We can either tame what we've heard him speak or what, and, and what the word of God says, or we can entertain other things. I heard something said very, just a few weeks ago, and it, he, this speaker was saying, he says, it takes faith to believe what God has spoken or is saying because it's a less familiar voice at times. And then he went on to say, it is easy to believe the voice of Satan because it's the voice of this world. Just think about that. Think about how easy, it blows my mind when I, when I talk to my kids and I'm talking through maybe what I, I think needs to happen or what I think they, about them. And they're, but mom, you don't understand. But mom, you don't get it. But mom, because it's so easy to believe what culture and the world is saying. And so many times that is echoing the voice of Satan and there is no truth in that. So it takes no faith at all to believe, um, I'm going to, this is, I, I, she's not, I, I'm sorry if I shouldn't share this, Sam. I don't know where she went. Um, but one day we were talking about, this is going to be really silly, but the size of your forehead, okay? And I say that with all of my hair pulled back. But she was saying, we were talking about the size of her forehead. And I said, who determined what a big forehead size was? Like, Who? Who in, who in this place, no, okay, um, who in, not in this place, but somewhere along the way, someone decided to call someone and say something, and just there's this thought now that a part of our face is large based on whose thoughts. That, but, but even that thought can echo so much damage to a person about a forehead size that some random person we don't even know seems to have some opinion on, right? Like, you guys get what I'm saying? Like, it is so easy because culture and the world around us does not echo truth. It does not echo the voice of God. It echoes the voice of Satan. And so we see it in our movie, in our TVs, in our politics, in our culture. And I even would say, it's happened to maybe some of us, not all of us, I know to be true. I've had the voice of Satan echoed in people who were supposed to be people who took care of me, who loved me, who were supposed to have the best, my best interest in mind. And they had at times echoed words that were death over me, that now fill my mind with thoughts that are not true, that then fill my mind about thoughts about myself or my, how loud I am or how, like, what, whatever. I don't, I, don't, I don't know at this point, you know what. But at times it became this place where I either had to fill my thought with God's words or the words of other people. And it's so much easier to believe the voice that wouldn't call itself Satan. I actually was listening to something and, and it was talking about how Satan just begins to give a whisper. He doesn't need you to think poorly about yourself. He doesn't even say, you're a mess. He can just say, hey, you don't have it together. And it begins this whisper that we fill our thoughts. So when we hear God speak, it's so important that we begin to replace and fill our minds and our thoughts with the words of God that he has spoken to us. We need to do whatever it takes to keep his words in our thoughts, his words in our minds. We need to flood our eyes and our ears with his words so that we can see and we can look for him in the midst of everything. The second, the second point that I was taking from this portion of scripture, when we hear God speak, we need to unwrap the words he speaks. Once we hear him speak, we're to unwrap the words he speaks. It says it here. Then as you unwrap my words, 
they will impart true life and radiant health. If the word true is in there, that must mean there can be a life that is lived that is not lived in truth. But when we unwrap the words he has for us, we begin to receive and understand the true life that he has in front of us, the wisdom that he imparts to us. You know, oftentimes I know I'm guilty of this. I'll hear a good message or I'll read scripture and I'll agree it's good. And then guess what I do? I move on. Anyone? And, the, and how much information is processed and coming, I can hear something good and I just move on. I listen to, uh, there's a speaker that I listen to usually like on Monday, Tuesdays, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And then I just move on because things need my attention. I need to go. But what does it begin to look like as we unwrap the things he has spoken to us? To sit there and, and, and ponder and consider, what does this mean? How does this apply to my life? Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. You know, it's interesting because any, anyone with me that time seems to be going faster, like I don't know how that happens, like nothing's changed. We still have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and yet somehow time seems to be going at like triple speed. And all of a sudden now we are in mid-September, I was writing, um, we were getting a new printer here at church, which is a really big deal, new printer copier. And I signed the like documents or whatever on August 31st. It was the last day in August because we were wrapping up and got it. And as I was fixing some things, I sent it back to him. And I'm like, how is it September 11th or 12th? It was September 12th. How is it September 12th? Like I just talked to him last week. No, like time is going fast. It's going faster and faster, and I don't know how to slow it down. And the faster it goes, the less I'm inclined to unwrap the words he's speaking to me. You know, when we're reading scripture, what I, I love about who Jesus is, is that it's always an invitation to something. I, I've said Jesus is a gentleman, so people are like, well, why can't God do that? He's a gentleman. He, he respects and honors the free will uh, to love him, to respond to him all the time. He's never going to infringe on your boundaries. He's after you. He's, he, I can guarantee if you, if we, when we look back at life, we'll see how he's been, how he was intricately, intricately after us, but he will never dishonor who we are and our free will that we have. And so I say all that to say that it's always an invitation to be in communion and in time and relationship with him. And so when it's saying that we would unwrap the words, the invitation is to sit with him in the midst of everything happening faster. So I have a picture of a, a, a little guy that you might have heard us talk about. That's Hank. Hank is the newest member of our family. I'm very obsessed with Hank. We can see the next picture of me and Hank. That's me and him in our El Camino. We were going to pick something up from Farm and Fleet together. And I love Hank. I just bought Hank a car seat for our car um, or for my car so I can like make sure he's safe because I, I'm short so I'm close to the steering wheel and I'm afraid I'm going to like smash his ribs if he's like sitting like and I'm trying to turn. Okay, I'm probably not going to smash his ribs, but I love Hank. He's a lot of fun. Today, as I was finishing up studying, he like snuggles with me. I'm trying to get 
uh, trying to work it so that he gets to hang out with us in bed all night. Um, but the other person who I'm married to says that's not what dogs are supposed to do. So I don't know. We're, we're slowly working on it with Hank. But I love Hank. Hank is six months. Um, he's a lot of fun. He's a long-haired dachshund. Yeah, he he's barky, he's chippy, but um, he thinks he's like a big, big dog. And um, I love Hank. But, you know, I took Hank to the vet and um, we were not puppy owners with our first dog. We, we rescued him when he was a year and a half old. So, you know, Maverick does, has not gotten the love, care, and attention quite like Hank is getting from me. I told my kids, I said, I will be a better grandparent than I am parent because you learn a few things along the way, right? Like you learn how to do things. So I'm a better parent to Hank than I am to Maverick. That's, that's true. Maverick's life has increased. He gets more treats, more walks now that we have Hank. All those things are true. Anyway, so I'm with the, at the vet and I'm asking him, how do I clean the dog's ears? Like, no one teaches you how to clean ears. And so he's like, okay, I'll, sh I'll show you how to clean his ears. So I'm like, great. So we're going along, and we're doing what we need to do. And um, we finish up his vet appointment. He gets what he needs. We, we leave. And guess what I forgot to ask him? How to show me how to clean his ears. See, uh, the invitation was there. The conversation began. But I got so wrapped up in all of everything else that I forgot to unwrap with him, how do I clean the dog's ears? Now, granted, there's YouTube, there's people, we have a groomer, there's like people who can do this. So I'm not like, you know, but you get what I'm saying, right? So many times we hear things and we don't unwrap it with the Lord. We just take it, we just leave it, we just run with it. We don't even think twice about saying, Lord, what do you want to continue to show me in this? We get, we get instruction or revelation, we get so excited, and then we forget to unwrap it with him. You know, what I think about, about the invitation of unwrapping his words when he speaks to us is there's only one Bible. He didn't give us like Bible one or Bible volume one, Bible volume two, Bible volume three. There's one Bible until he returns, which means that even though we can read this over and over and over, guess what? There's more and more to unwrap and unveil and, and learn about who he is. There's a place and an invitation to slow down and read just one verse and allow that to be enough to unravel and unpack in our hearts. And now speaking of our hearts, the third place in this in scripture that we read, what we do when we hear God speak as we guard the affection of our heart. You know, not everything, and I'm a classic oversharer. I live pretty openly. I live, uh, there's not really much that I, I have to hide. So I, I am a classic oversharer. Like I just, TMI, whatever it is, let's just talk. Like I don't have time to be surfaced. So let's just, let's just get to the nitty gritty of, of what's happening because what did I say? Time is going fast, right? And so um, guard our affection of our heart. But what I'm learning in life and what I'm learning about the things that, that God speaks to us is that they're sacred and that not everything is to be shared with everybody. You know, as I've been mentioning, culture affects all of us. And to be counterculture is actually kind of foreign. Right now, one of the biggest things we see is to share what's happening in our lives. It's what we do. And in that, there's so many times that in when we do that in real life that we no longer guard the words and the affection of our heart. 
See, when I, when I think about it, um, I think about Mary in um, Luke chapter 2, and maybe this is familiar to you. Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, there's, it says it twice, and um, I've always loved this. Mary, in, in the first part of, of Luke in chapter 2, um, there, she just has these visitors. They've come, and they're declaring what the angels have said to them, what the angels have shown them. And then it says in verse, um, we're going to go from 15 to 19. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see the things that have come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which um, was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. When you scroll down to verse or roll, turn the page to verse uh, 52, it's then it goes in talking a little bit with Jesus. He's in Nazareth. All this stuff is happening. And it says, I'm sorry, verse 51. Then he, he went down with them, Jesus, and came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them, his parents. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. You know, Mary had heard and saw a promise from an angel when the Lord, when the angel Lord came to visit her with the news that she would be mother of Jesus. And as all of this was unfolding before her eyes, she wasn't proclaiming it. She wasn't saying, hey, look at me. I'm the mother of Jesus. Hey, guess what God said to me? I'm going to be a kind, I'm kind of a big deal here. Do you know what's happening? No, she pondered the things as in her heart. As the shepherds were coming and, and, and declaring what the, the angel of the Lord had showed to them, she didn't say, yeah, I know. Let me tell you what else he's doing. She kept it to herself and she pondered and she guarded the affection of her heart because of what was so sacred before her. Culturally, we have become accustomed to oversharing, liking, or disliking something openly, being openly opinionated about other people's lives. And instead of us guarding and holding the things we've heard to God, heard God speak to us close to our heart and finding the right time to share. You know, when those promises, and, and again, I have people that I share with, there's things that I do that I have a, a people that I have people praying with me, walking things with promises of God, but there are still some things that need to be guarded in our heart when God speaks to us. Because there is a timing, and this is something I'm learning in my very impatient way, when God's promises are coming, and we're going to see about it in, in Habakkuk in a little bit, there's timing. There's a rhythm to life. There's a place that the Lord would have us. And sometimes we can get so excited, we begin to just lay it all out. You know, uh, this might be a familiar scripture to you. And I was actually kind of, kind of blown away when I was studying that I had never seen this parallel in scripture. Matthew chapter 7, um, I believe Jay even was talking about it in his scripture. Uh, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among us who if his son asked for bread would give him a stone or if, his, if he asked for a fish he'd be given a serpent. If then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
Therefore, whatever you, whatever you want men to do to you, do also them, for this is the law of the prophet and the prophets. So we've read, we've read that before, right? Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and you will open. Sounds great. What I never caught in scripture, people, was verses 1 through 11. And I always think it matters, right, what's before and after. So as in, in pertaining to guarding the affections of our heart and guarding what's saying, right? So here God is saying, or Jesus is saying, hey, look, if you have need, ask. If you want to find me, seek. I'll find you. I, I'm, I'm there and I'm present. But prior to that, he gives a very, very, very simple instruction. He says, we're going to start at verse one, judge, or judge, not judge. <laughs> those commas and those things really do matter. Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. But hey, ask and it will be given to you. <laughs> Seek and you will find. That's literally how that goes. So this is what I was studying. I was reading. And I was considering what it means to guard the affection of our heart. Number one, he says, don't judge. Now listen to me. We live in a culture that says, don't judge me. You're judging me. You're being judgmental of me. This is not that. Okay, when we are in relationship with people, there is a place of um, holding people accountable, walking people towards holiness, towards Jesus. That is not that is not judgment. That is walking through scripture with people, helping them see what is God saying about this. That is not judgment. What he's saying here is do not judge. See, judgment is filled with pride and arrogance, and it's filled with uh, with opinions that is not helpful or giving or, or life giving to a person. So when you think about judging, is it helpful or is it an opinion? Is it drawing someone closer to Jesus or is it drawing them closer to your own opinion? This is as we're walking through this. Do not judge or else you'll be judged. Now here's, here's what the Lord showed me and, and you guys are going to think this might be really silly, but I'm going to share it about how the Lord corrected me through this. So... Aaron Rodgers. Anyone? Anyone know who Aaron Rodgers is? Jay's already laughing. David is. I have struggled with this man. Okay. I don't know him. I don't know him at all. I only know his persona. I only know his interviews. I only know what I see on TV. Um, but I have been judging his actions and his interviews. I'm not even joking, you guys. This is like, I literally, the, I, this sounds so silly, but I got like, as I was reading it, because I have been judging his interviews. I watch his, anyone know what I'm talking about? I watch his pregame interview before the Jets. He played the Jets his, and got four plays and then he was done. I watched and listened to um, his like in between stuff that's happened like after the Packers season and all his time off. And I have, cause Jay loves the Packers. Jay loves football. So he listens to sports radio and it drives me nuts. And, but the more I, I like, I've sent David and Jay texts, like, do you hear how prideful this sounds? And do you, and I am like, I, like we've been at lengths in this conversation. And the funny thing is that as I was reading and studying, the Holy Spirit just pinged me. Like, Susie, you're, 
you're judging him. Like, I was like, it was getting me angry, guys, okay? Like, I don't even like football that much. I don't even like the Packers that much. It was getting me angry. I was like to a place of almost sinning. I, you guys, I, I have way too much time on my hands, apparently. But this is what, this is what I'm saying, is there was so much, I, his pride and arrogance was pushing me so much that I began to get pride and arrogant towards his pride and arrogance. Okay, you guys, okay. You guys are like, what is her problem? This is my real life. This is who I am. But this is where he's saying about not judging. But then in verse 6, something is very interesting. Guard what has been given to you. See, Jesus says in here, do not give what is valuable to someone who doesn't understand the value in it. He uses dogs and pigs and culturally where they were filth and, and there was no regard. And then he used something of, of great, um, of great worth of a pearl. Now, if you've ever, if you know what a pearl goes through, a pearl has to go through a process to become a pearl. A pearl doesn't just become, it, it faces some, some trials. It faces some parasites. It faces some pressure. And then all of a sudden this beautiful pearl comes out right? And then, and so many times life can be like that for us where we'll face some trials, we'll face some things and, and the Lord is doing something in us. And then we put it before someone who can care less. And what's interesting is he uses this example right before where he says, Hey, get your attention and get, get how you treat people in order. Guard what, what's been given to you. And then he says, Okay, so now that you know the preface of this, the condition of your heart needs to be like moldable to me. Guard what you've been given. And now guess what? Ask and I'll give it to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened. You see how this works. See, we are called to guard the things, the promises of God, the words that he has spoken to us, to guard and ponder them, just like Mary pondered and guard. She didn't have to show off for anybody. We don't just, we should not just throw in front of us, throw in front of just anybody the things God is doing in your life. We are to be living in community with one another we are to be in life together. It says in scripture, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. We are to be with people, but there is a place of guarding the sacred things God has spoken to your heart. There is a thing about keeping it for the right time. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, but Joseph is in the Old Testament. And as I was studying, and it just hit me. Joseph has these dreams from the Lord, and they're these dreams of promise. Your family is going to be serving you. You're going to be in great places. And out of his own brokenness, his brothers didn't like him, if you're not familiar. He was the favorite of, of, of his father, but he was despised by his brothers. He was rejected by his brothers. And what I realized is out of his own place of wanting to be accepted, out of his own place of his own brokenness, he put something sacred in front of his brothers that the Lord speaks, hoping, oh, just maybe they'll accept me, hoping that just maybe They'll receive what I'm saying. Oh, just maybe they'll make space for me. I'm going to tell you that the Lord is so good. We don't ever have to make room for ourselves. The Lord has called you accepted. He loves you. He knows where you are. Guard what he has spoken to you.
You don't need to use that to get any accolade. You don't need to use that to gain the favor of people. You don't need to, to sacrifice the sacredness of what God has spoken to you for other people to fit in. Just keep going at what you're doing. Keep guarding the places he's speaking to you. Keep walking those things out and see how God moves on your behalf. Two more points. The next thing we need to do is we need to write it down. We need to write down the things God has spoken to us. Now, I'm going to, I'm sure there's someone here that's going to be like, Susie, I don't write. I don't like to journal. I don't like to read. I got it. Um, however, this isn't like a Susie, hey, you should write things down. Um, we're going to go to what scripture says. Habakkuk cha chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, maybe you are familiar with this. In fact, as I was reading Habakkuk, I was like, am I, are we in like that time? Because of what I'm reading right now feels like it's for today. But Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk is a prophet and he's frustrated with the current affairs and the chaos that's happening around him and he's calling out to God. He's petitioning out to God. And this is what one of the responses that he gives to, he gives to Habakkuk. Then the Lord said, answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright to him, but the just shall live by faith. The words to Habakkuk from God were during this time of turmoil, during these dark times, I need you to write down the vision and hold it because it will surely come to pass. We have a tendency as people, when we hear God speak, we have a tendency to doubt in the dark what we heard in the light. Let me break that down to you. When we're in church and people are speaking and we're praising God, we're in the light. And sometimes we go back home and all of a sudden you, you might get into a car accident. They might lay you off your job. Um, someone might be gossiping about you, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden now you find yourself in a dark place and guess what you get, begin to do? You don't doubt that that person's lying. You don't doubt like any of that. We begin to doubt what God has said. That's our tendency. Something happens that's good. Oh, you're so lucky. Something happens that's bad. Why did God let it happen? That is a tendency of humanity. You, you hear it all of the time. And so when we are right out what God has spoken to us, it's so that when life happens, because life does happen, it's as though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you will fear no evil, right? When the storms come, you know, all these things, life happens all around us. And we need to write down the things God has spoken to us so that as we're walking through trials, we get to go back and say, but God, you said on September 15th, on August 28th, 2022, on March 1st, 1989, like whatever it might be, you said that this was your promise and you do not lie. You're a faithful God. So I'm going to hold on to faith until this comes to pass. I'm going to hold on to faith, even though I'm in a rough situation, even though it feels really dark, I'm not going to doubt the words you've already spoken because you cannot lie. God cannot lie. 
and it has impaired us to write down the words that he has spoken to us. So when we feel like we're going through the opposite, we can go past our feelings and we go back to what he said and we remind ourselves. Remember what the first point was? We fill our thoughts with what? His words. How do we know how to fill his thoughts with his words unless it's written? We go back. Do you see the cycle of all of this? We can want a move of God. We can want God to speak. We can want God. But if we're not going to do anything with it, what's the point? We need to hold ourselves accountable and write down the words he has spoken to us. Lastly, we need to do what he has spoken us to do. One of the phrases that drive me nuts in my home is, it's not a big deal. When I hear that, like it, that like more than, it's not a big deal, mom. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a, like that drive, like that, that phrase for me is like just, gets my grinds going or gears going, however that phrase goes. It's not a big deal. It's not a, it's a phrase I don't like in our house. The reality is obedience to things we've heard God speak to us is a really big deal. The things he has spoken to us, the the inklings, the things that you might think are God, that's a big deal to begin to unpack and, and, and wrap and seek out. Obedience to God is a really big deal. Not because he's asking you for your, for your perfection. Because it's not about his, our perfection. In fact, it talks about his mercies being new when? Every morning. <laughs> so clearly there's not a level of God and like he's like, check. Oh, X, check, right? Like if his mercies are new every morning, there's an implication that I'm going to need new mercies tomorrow morning. There's an implication that I might get it right and I'm, I might not get it right. When he's telling me I need to forgive people 70 times 7, that means that there's an implication that there's continual hurt that might happen, right? And there's a place where I'm going to have to make the decision to forgive. See, so when we talk about, or when I'm talking about obedience to the Lord, things the Lord has asked us to do is imperative. It's because we don't always see the ramifications and we also don't know what we've avoided or we don't know what he's trying to do when we walk in obedience or we don't walk in obedience. And because sometimes we hear God speak and we ignore it, that's me, sometimes I hear God speak and I don't do it and I ignore it and nothing happens, it begins to desensitize us that obedience to God maybe isn't that big of a deal. But when we look in Scripture in Luke chapter 9, and I'm, I'm almost through rounding the bend here, Luke chapter 9, and hopefully this is encouraging to you guys because I, I think we, we, I want to reflect fully of who God is, fully of what he says. And I could definitely just say, hey, guys, go be good people. Jesus loves you, and that would be satisfactory. But that's not what Scripture, I mean, Scripture does say that. That that does say, but there is a lot more. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 27, and it says, Then he said to all of them, Jesus saying to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world, everything, the whole world, and he himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me, and hear this, and my words, right? We're talking about God speaking to us. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, 
Of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father and his holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, we can never outgive God. Ever. He calls us to daily take up the cross to follow him. He's saying all that the world is calling to you, you can, you can go after it. You can obtain the whole world. But if you're not in relationship to me, then what's the point? We can never outgive God. You see, when we try, we, when we do it our way, it's more complicated. There's one way that leads to radiant life and one way that leads to earthly, earthly rewards and maybe no heavenly rewards. You know, what I realize is um, the enemy would like us to get stuck in the details. So if, if, okay, God, I hear you saying this. So then if I do this, then you'll do this, 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 and this, right? Like that's, because that's how, that's how at least how I, my kids negotiate with me, right? Like, okay, so you're saying I need to be home by like 10? Okay, well, what about 1030? Like, okay, well, like, right, it's, it's a negotiation. Well, in our house, unfortunately, sometimes it's a negotiation. I get it. They're, they're learning people skills and all those things in our home. But oftentimes, we try to negotiate with God. So if I do this, then you're going to do this. And what we forget or what we don't see is the enemy wants us to get caught up in the details. And the Lord is just saying, hey, take up your cross daily and follow me. Because what actually happens is Jesus is in the details of everything. And, and if we can get caught up in the details, then guess where we get our eyes off of? We get our eyes of Jesus. But if we take up our cross daily, guess where our eyes are looking? They're looking to Jesus because I need Jesus who gives me new mercies every morning to help me to walk in obedience to him so that he can work out the details of my life. You know, there's so many times that I've, I've said, even within the last month, I could have not done this any better. I, I've, I, I gave things to the Lord, and while it was messy and complicated, the details in which the Lord was working on my behalf. The thing is, the fir- the, that one step is when he speaks to us, we have to walk in obedience. When he calls us, when he invites us, hey, come spend time with me, 10 minutes, we do it. Stop and pray, we do it. Don't go that way, we do it. Hey, speak up. We do it. Hey, I want to be in relationship with you. I'm the only true God. We stop and we listen. There's always an invitation to us. And the most important thing when we hear God speak is that we do what he has spoken. I I think it's interesting is Jesus had to make the decision to be obedient to his father. When, if you're familiar with the story, Jesus has the Last Supper. He goes out to pray. He's with his three, three disciples. And Jesus, in his agony, is crying out to his father. And he says, if you can pass this cup by me, do it. But your will, not mine. Jesus still had to make the choice of obedience to what God had spoken to him to do. In it, there's full life. And I know the enemy wants us to get caught up in the details. I see it. I see how the enemy works in the confusion and in the chaos. And the Lord is just saying, no, just come to me daily. The invitation taking up the cross daily is an invitation to be with him daily. And his mercies are new every day. 
It really is that simple. Life is complicated, and there's an invitation always to us to spend time with our Father. But I want to encourage you that if you hear God speaking to you, do not delay. Do not delay whatever it is. Whatever the invitation or you hear him speaking to you, do not delay because it is a big deal. It is a big deal. And he loves you. He is not mad at you. He is not angry. He's not this God that's in heaven pointing down like, why didn't you whatever. Why didn't you do that when I first told you to do it, right? Like, have you, I've done that to my kids. Like, if you would have just done it the first time or the way that I said it, we wouldn't be, right? Like, I kind of get on that high horse with my, with my kids sometimes. Okay, I, maybe I'm the only one. Um, but he doesn't take that high horse position. Jesus takes a place of, of, of grace and mercy and humility and says, no, 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 come. Come with me. Here, let me, let me show you. And he works through those, those places of shame and guilt, and it says his mercies are new every morning. So I am excited for what the Lord is doing. I am excited that he is speaking, that he desires to speak to us, and that the invitation is always open. I hope that as we've been, I'm going to end, end our time in prayer, and we're going to end um, with that uh, one song. Um, high place, high mercy. Yeah, thank you. Um, I don't know names of songs. Um, but we're going to end with that song as just a declaration. And would you just respond to the Lord? I don't know where you find yourself today. Um, and I don't want to assume one way or the other. But the invitation is that we would just respond to the Lord. So if there's something, how, what does that look like? If there's something that resonated with you that kind of like pricked you or kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of got you. I don't know. That's the way I feel it. Like, it just kind of makes my shoulders shrug and like, oh, okay, God, I hear you. Um, that's how I know that it's sometimes him. Whatever might have pricked you, got you. Um, would you just respond to the Lord and not let this moment pass? Would you ask him, would you unwrap, Lord, is there something? I just ask that question. Is there something you want me to unwrap this week from what you said? Or is there somewhere that you've asked me to do something that I've not walked in obedience to? that you're just calling me to a place of obedience, whatever it might be. So we're going to go ahead and stand together. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Oh, God, I thank you that as we reread in, in Luke, Lord Jesus, that we would be people who just ponder your word, Lord, that in our own places of, of needing to feel significant or seen or understood, God, I pray that you would settle our heart with peace. Lord, that we wouldn't be people who sacrifice the sacred things you've spoken to us for the making pleasing man, for pleasing or getting into places of position. But Lord, that we would be people who guard our heart with our affection towards you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who respond in obedience to when you speak to us, not because we're perfect children, um, but because we know when you speak, there's something greater and you're in the details of what you're speaking to us. So God, we would be people who would just walk in obedience to you. God, I pray that we would be people who would wake up in the middle of the night and write out the dreams that you've given us, that we'd be people who would write out the things that you've spoken to us. You say in scripture to write it out. Lord, this isn't a preference. This isn't a thought. This isn't a good idea. Lord, you've given us instruction of how to live a life in full 
um, contentment and a full um, in, in, in just in relationship with you. And part of that is you're saying, write it out because it matters what we fill our thoughts with. It matters what we see. So, Lord, I pray that those places that we write out the things that you're speaking to us, Lord, that those would be also places that we fill our thoughts with your words, that those those things that we write out would be anchors for us in the midst of storms, in the midst of darkness, God. God, we thank you that you're an ever-present God, that you are so good, you are so faithful. Lord, we thank you that you are the only God, that there is none like you, Lord. It says that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so, God, we look to you and we say, Lord, we thank you that even though you're the beginning and the end, you invite us into relationship with you. Even though you are the one who created the heavens and earth, you know me by name. So, God, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who cannot lie, God, that you are a faithful God and we declare and we thank you that the promises you've spoken to us will come to pass. Lord, I pray that right now as we're sealing in the spirit the things that you've spoken to us, Lord, you would bring things to remembrance that we have forgotten, things that we need to write down, promises we need to contend for in scripture, uh, that you've speak, spoken to us, promises you've given us in dreams. Lord, I pray that you, our spirits would rise up with faith to believe that you are faithful and good to your word, God. Lord, I pray that you would show us lies, things that have been spoken over us that we're believing that are not true. Lord, I pray that we would silence the voice of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. You have no place or authority in, in this place. You have no place and authority over the, the, um, the words that have been spoken. And God, we release your peace. We release your rejuvenation, your joy, your hope. God, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, and that you're giving us instruction so we can live a full life here on earth. We thank you for those things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.